Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today I'm going to talk about what I have learned from being an on-the-job instructor. I've been an instructor for, I've got at least six years now, probably longer, and I have trained so many CCAs. And there's a cool thing about being a trainer, and it's that I've learned a whole bunch of stuff about the job and the way that I do it that I never really thought about before. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to tell you some of the things that I've learned about about the job, about myself, and some things that may be useful to you, especially if you are a new hire. So the first thing is just a little quirky thing, that one day a CCA dropped his letters. Happens all the time. You know, the letters, I do a lot of park and loop, so we're holding the letters in our hand as we're walking around, and his DPS got squirrely on him and he dropped it. And he said, how come you never drop your letters? And I had no idea. I don't know why, but I know I pretty much never drop my letters. And so I started watching myself as I was delivering the mail. And what I noticed is that every time I handle my letters, I straighten them out. I tap them against my body. I'll tap them against my other arm and get them all straightened out again. And it's something that I presumably have been doing for years and never even knew I was doing it. So, pro tip, after you handle your letters, straighten them out so they don't get all squirrely on you. On that note, there was another thing that I noticed one time that as I was peeling out letters at like a cluster box or maybe an apartment complex, I had a bunch of letters in my hand and as I'm peeling them out, I noticed that the hand that was holding the letters, my thumb was picking up just a little bit as each letter was peeled out. And that was another thing that like, I never knew that I was doing that. And once I saw it and just saw my thumb moving without me making it move, man, it weirded me out. And it, I couldn't stop staring at it. It was like I was high or something. And like, oh, I just noticed my hands for the first time. So anyway, that's something I learned from being a trainer is that I constantly straighten out my letters. And it's, it's good policy. Okay, another thing is there are all sorts of things that supervisors take for granted and even instructors and carriers take for granted that really delays new carriers and one of those things is finding your way from street to street when I finish Meadow Glen Way I know automatically I'm going to turn right and go down to Meadow Glen Circle then I'm going to turn right and go down to Brookview and then I'm going to follow the street around to the left onto Meadow Glen and then I'm going to go down Annie Oakley and turn left on Mont Hill to get to Rimcrest and all these things I just take for granted. I don't even think about where I'm going next. But for someone who's new to the route, every time they get to the end of a street, they may have to pull up a map and look to see where they're going next. You know, usually it's a right turn or a U-turn to get to the next stop, but not always. And we have some routes out there that just bounce around like crazy. They're not squared off at all. Or the regular carrier hasn't been diligent about organizing the streets in a sensible way it's just whatever the computer did they've kept it that way and that makes it a lot harder for the people who come in on your day off to deliver your route if they're unfamiliar with it so give some consideration to that when you're arranging your line of travel you know it's not just what's going to be easiest for you you're not there every day and so you have to think about who's going to come in and replace you so and again that's one of the things that really sucks up time when you're new is constantly having to check the map. I know on my own route, I have a couple of deadheads that I really don't like. Deadheads are where you carry the mail just on one side of the street and there's no houses on the other side. So at the end, 
you wind up walking back empty-handed. And I can't stand them. I really don't like deadheads. So what I would love to do is I have a deadhead that's like caps off one end of the neighborhood. And then there's all these regular parking loops that tee off of it. And I would love to just break up that deadhead street and make it like little caps on all the tees. But man, that would make it so hard to case for anybody but me. Anybody who's looking at the case, you know, Woodcrest would appear on the case like 12 times and oh, that would be very difficult. So, you know, that's another thing that just eats up time for new carriers. All right. Another thing that I've learned that I took for granted that I shouldn't, not everybody understands that there's an odd side and an even side of the street. I mean, you've been delivering the mail for a while. It probably seems like, duh, that's a basic life school, life skill. How could you not know that? But there are plenty of people out there who have never noticed that, hey, all the houses over there have odd numbers and all those are even numbers. And dude, when I was in the academy, by the way, still not in the academy again, um, there were people who didn't even know what odd and even numbers were. And so we'd have to go over that from time to time. Zero, two, four, six, and eight, those are even numbers. One, three, five, seven, nine, those are odd numbers. Well, what about 21? That's not any of those. It's got any, dude. So even and odd, can't always take that for granted that people understand what that is. Another thing that I've learned is I catch a lot of my potential misdeliveries just because I know what's coming next. Because I know that this house usually doesn't get much mail. And so if I've got five pieces that I'm about to put in the box, I stop and say, wait a minute. That's not what should be here. This person should get like zero or one pieces. And I look and oh, thank goodness, these were going to the next house. So that regularity on a route helps to prevent misdeliveries. If you know that a house typically doesn't get mail, you're going to be more diligent when you get to that house to make sure that, you know, they actually have mail and you shouldn't be skipping it. But the other thing that helps to prevent misdeliveries is the ability to anticipate what the next address is going to be. Like one of my streets, a lot of my streets, the numbers go by tens. And that's really obvious. You know, it's going to be 4219, 4229, 4239, and so on. And very easy to anticipate that after 4249, you're going to see 4259. But for the brand new CCA, the they struggle just to read the numbers and make sure they match the house and seeing any larger pattern where you really have to step back and think about it. It's a lot to ask for somebody who's already being overwhelmed by the job. And then later in my route where the lots get big, uh, I have houses that go by 18s and <laughs> 18s are harder to predict. You got to be pretty good at math to know right away that 54 is going to be 72 and it's going to be 90 and then it's going to be 08 and so on. And that, uh, it, that's tough on new carriers. And where that really comes into play, that ability to anticipate the next address is number one, knowing that, okay, my next letter doesn't, my next letter is 4203. I think I'm going to be skipping three houses in between before I get to 4203. Oh, but my next residual is 4193. So the residual is actually going to come first. All of those things you carriers don't start out with that built in that comes from experience. And again, that experience really helps to set you up for success and helps to prevent misdeliveries. And it's not something you can take for granted in new, new carriers. The other thing that that experience helps to 
overcome is DPS errors, our 3M mail, missent, missort, missequence. Because I know when I'm going up Mont Hill, after 4077 Mont Hill, the next address I expect to see is 4087 Mont Hill. And so I'm looking at the mail, 77, 77, 77, and then suddenly I see 3862, and I know immediately, oh, that's not the next house. That must be a DPS error, and I can pull that aside, set it into my cleanup, and then there's another. Okay, good news and bad news. The bad news is my recording just crashed. Uh, the good news is, with my new setup, I was actually looking at the screen when it happened, and I didn't record for another half hour to no one. And this app that I'm using actually recovers the uh, crashed recording, so I think I can pick up where I left off. All I'm going to have to do now is figure out how to add on the audio that I'm making right now to the back end of what I had previously recorded. So I'll figure that out, and if I can't figure it out, then my punishment will be having to start all over from the beginning. So that's a pretty good incentive to finally figure out how to merge audio tracks. So we're all going to learn something new today. All right, so anyway, getting back to where I left off, um, hiding behind that DPS error, there's often more mail for that address. And where that uh, trips up the person who's new is they're just looking at the address and making sure it matches. And so they get in the mail ready for 4077, and they see it's 77, 77, 77, 77, and then this one's 3862. Okay, well, that must be the end of my 4077s. So they put those in the box, and then they walk on. The next house is 4087. Well, I'm still looking for 3862. They want to walk to the next house, 4099, and they're still looking at 3862 or whatever number I said. And they get like five houses down and realize, oh my God, this was a DPS error and I should have been delivering mail to all those previous five houses. And that slows them down. You know, so the, again, that ability to anticipate what the next address should be is a very good check against errors. And it's a skill like all of these that has to be developed. It's also one of the things that tends to lead to missed deliveries. Um, you know, errors, putting the wrong mail in the wrong box, but even more frequently leads to what I call missed deliveries where you didn't put mail in the box and now you have to go back and put it in. Honestly, as a trainer, missed deliveries, I don't find to be a big deal because in a way they're proof that you're being careful and checking the mail before it goes in the box. Otherwise you would have just thrown that in the next box. So missed deliveries are not that big of a deal. Um, and they're much easier to fix. You know, you can just go back and put the mail in those boxes. And yes, it takes time, but at least you don't have to do the knock of shame and, hey, I'm sorry, I gave you your neighbor's mail. Can I get it back? All right. So anyway, moving on. Speaking of missed deliveries where they put the wrong mail in the wrong box, oftentimes I notice that this is due to physical errors. You know, most of the time it's mental errors. And certainly with a regular carrier, it's going to be primarily mental errors. But for new carriers, pardon me, for new carriers, it can be a physical error where you grab an extra piece of mail. They just don't have the dexterity yet where they can tell by feel whether they have one postcard or two postcards in their hand. I know I can at this point, and I'm sure most of you can too. Certainly, if you pick up two letters, you know, hey, that's not the thickness of a normal letter. And like your fingers can feel it. And then you, oh, I grabbed an extra piece. Let me see what's this piece behind. And so often there'll be a misdelivery where, 
a house was supposed to get four pieces of mail. Instead, they get five because there was one, you know, for their for the next house that winds up in their box. And that's usually why that happens. The other thing that'll happen is there'll be hidden pieces of mail, like a postcard in between two letters, and the carriers don't necessarily see that either. Although that's less likely to lead to a misdelivery because it should be the same address as the pieces it was sandwiched between. But again, these are just little things with dexterity that have to be built up over time. So when these small mistakes are made, if they're not caught, they tend to snowball. And that's what really throws new carriers uh, behind. You know, you make a mistake and then by the next house for most carriers, you realize, oh, shoot, that wasn't right. Let me go back and put that in the right box or, you know, whatever that mistake is. But for a new carrier, they just keep going. They don't even realize that they've made a mistake until now it's this big mess. And that slows them down so much you know even a carrier who's otherwise proficient and maybe they walk at a good pace or they can deal out the mail pretty fast if they make these small errors and don't catch them then they compound and that really just eats away time and it's bad for morale too so you can't power your way through misdeliveries. I see CCAs try to do that too when we're out on the street where they they know they've made a mistake and they just keep walking and they try to get to the next house and try to figure it out there and they're just getting themselves buried in that mistake when really what you have to do is stop and gather yourself and try to figure out what's going on. Like there's this one section of my route where at the end of Rimcrest Drive, the street turns onto uh, Spring Hill and carriers all the time just turn onto Spring Hill and just keep walking because if you're walking down the sidewalk on the right side of the street, the sidewalk bends and you just keep walking it. When in reality, at the end of Rimcrest, what they should do is come back and deliver the other side of the street. You know, the numbers have just switched from odd to even and to anybody who's been carrying for a while, it's something you're going to notice right away. And you know now that when you get to the end of a street, well, I think that was going to come up later. No, it's not. Whenever you get to the end of a street, whether you're doing park and loop or driving or whatever, you've got to get your bearing and figure out, okay, where am I going next? Am I going to go straight through this intersection? Am I making a U-turn doing the other side of the street? Am I going to turn right? Am I going to turn left? What happens next? And with a lot of CCAs, because they're trying to just power through, they'll just follow the sidewalk and just keep walking. And I'm walking with them and I know this error is about to happen. It happens with most of my trainees on day one of on the job. And they'll turn that corner. And what really bugs me is not that they followed the sidewalk. It happens. You know, pretty much everybody does it their first day. What really bothers me is when the next address that they're looking for is 4324 or 4336 Rimcrest. And this house is like 40, 49 Spring Hill, and they put the mail in the box. And I got to stop them before they're doing it. So, wait, 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 what's the address on this house? And they look at it and they look at, oh my God, I was going to misdeliver. Yeah, no crap, you were going to misdeliver. So then they keep walking down the street, and now they're looking for 4324 Rimcrest, not even realizing that they've been on Spring Hill for the last five houses. And finally, I stop them. So, dude, what street are you on? We go back and they look at the street sign. And, oh, I didn't even realize that I was on a new street. Dude, these are all things that 
take experience. Regular carriers give CCAs crap so often. And the reality is, you know, it's a simple job at its core. You put the mail in the box. You make sure the numbers match. You put the mail in the box. But the big thing that trips up new people is like the dexterity. In fact, when I was doing um, Carrier Academy, again, more on that in a future episode. When I was in the Carrier Academy, we had our practice course and there was a driving section and a walking section. And I found that carriers were way more likely to make mistakes on the driving section because it's so foreign to them. Whereas walking, at least they're used to walking. They don't have to think about what their feet are doing. But when you're driving, the driving is so strange and they get overwhelmed with that. And like, am I supposed to curb my wheels? What am I doing with the brake? And I'm on the wrong side of the truck. And all that stuff just compounds. And so, yeah, while at its core, the job is very simple. There's so many little things that go into it. Like, okay, this piece is undeliverable. Now what am I going to do with it? And it's hard to focus on putting the right mail in the right box when you have all of these other things that are taking up so much of your brain power. So the moral of the story is you can't power your way through misdeliveries. You have to stop and gather yourself. You got to, you know, just cool it there. All right. So anyway. Next thing that I've learned from being a trainer is that of all the crazy things, days with heavy mail volume can actually be easier to deliver than days with light mail volume. Because when all the mail matches or when you have mail for every single house, it's harder to get off track and make misdeliveries. What I find is the most common uh, source for misdeliveries Well, probably the most common is where numbers are very similar. Like I used to have a route that had 3445, um, I don't remember the name of the street. It doesn't matter. 3445 and the next house was 3455. And in my head, those numbers were identical. And, oh, Chris, if you're listening, a guy at my station named Chris listens to the podcast. It was on your route. And I would mix those two up so often. And it just didn't matter. Every week I was this T6, I would put the mail in the wrong boxes because those numbers were just the same. And I'd get 3445 came first, a Brittlewood, I think it was. 3445 came first and I'd put the mail in the box. Then I'd get to 3455 and I wouldn't have any mail. And I'd be like, dude, I did it again. And I'd go back and sure enough, there's mail for both houses in there. So that's a really common source of misdeliveries. But the other one is when a house doesn't get any mail at all and the carrier puts in that box just because that's what they're used to next house next mail next house next mail so when you have like a coverage a piece of mail that goes to every single house it's harder to get off track because you are putting next mail next house next mail next house and as long as your mail all matches up you make fewer mistakes but we have days here that are so light that all have entire parking loops that have one, two, even zero pieces of residual mail sometimes. And so if you're unfamiliar with the route, you look at that bundle of residual mail and okay, this bundle goes to this parking loop and it starts here and it ends there. And so that's a good indicator of what this loop is going to be. But if you don't have any mail at all for that parking loop, how are you supposed to figure out what DPS you're supposed to bring? It, it makes it a lot harder. And so, yeah, days like ad day, as much as a pain in the butt it is, 
having those ads does kind of regularize things and make it harder to make missed deliveries because at least, you know, we always say follow the DPS and the DPS goes to every house, but really you can follow the ads because there's just one ad and they're in perfect delivery order. And it really does make things easier, except for the fact that you got to carry everything. All right. Next thing. Trainees get downtime every so often. You know, they get their 30-minute lunch. They get their 10-minute breaks. Or sometimes, if we split up, again, my route's mostly park and loop. So as they get a little more proficient, I'll split up. And I'll give them, like, a short park and loop, and I'm going to do, go do a longer one. And I tell them, hey, just take your time. Make sure accuracy above all else. I don't care if it takes you longer to do the short loop than it takes me to do the long one because I want you to just be accurate. And what I've noticed is when those carriers get back to the truck, they get back before me, if they use that time to set themselves up for success, like what they'll do is see what the next couple parking loops are and start separating out the DPS. Or I mark my parcels by flipping a letter backward in my DPS so that I know, oh, I have a parcel there. And they'll go through and start flipping letters. Or even on really light days, I actually like to collate my residual while I'm out on the street. If I got a whole parking loop and it only has three pieces of residual, then while I'm walking those first couple houses, I'll just filter in those three pieces of residual. Now I'm down to one bundle and I don't have to keep checking my residual. And I've had trainees do that while they're sitting there waiting for me to get back. They'll just co start collating in the residual. And I got to tell you guys, that is one of the best indicators that a new trainee is going to be successful on the job is that they're thinking about ways to make the job easier on themselves and how to set themselves up for success. And they're using their downtime to do that. And that I love seeing that in a new trainee. And that's also, you know, those skills of what can I do to make this easier? What can I do to make this go more smoothly? Those are things that are going to serve you throughout your career. So speaking of setting up for success, I try to set my trainees up for success, especially the ones who are struggling, where if I have, like sometimes on the first couple parking loops where we separate, I will just go in and pre-collate the mail. That, you know, I'm going to put your DPS and your residual all together in one bundle, and I just need you to check the addresses before it goes in the box. And I'll tell them, like, hey, there's two houses on this route, on this street, that you're going to skip. So don't expect to be delivering mail to every single box, because not every box has mail. And little things like that to set them up for success, so that they can get more comfortable, and they go step by step as they're getting better. But the other thing that I'll do is I will let them make mistakes. There are plenty of times where I see a mistake coming and I just let it happen. As long as the mail's recoverable. If they're about to put the wrong mail in a locking mailbox, I don't let them do that. But I will let them, like the other day, I was training this lady and she had a parcel that she put in the mailbox and she never scanned it. And we get to the next house and I'm like, hey, let's take a look at our package look ahead. And we look through the package look ahead and she sees the address that was right before. And she's like, why is that on there? We, we already delivered that, didn't we? I said, yeah, we did, but you didn't scan it. And so she learned from that, like, oh, I really have to make sure that I'm watching for these packages. And speaking of package look ahead, oh my God, package look ahead is so useful for new trainees. 
I will let them, I will use that so often that I'll be like, look, we're coming on a Mount Crest here and look at your package. Look ahead. How many packages do you have? And it'll he'll, they'll say, I have three packages. All right. When you're done with this street, there better be no packages on the package look ahead. Here's our packages. One, two, three. Here they are physically. There they are on the package look ahead. When you're done with this street, they should all be cleared out. Then that means you did everything right. If they're still on here, then you did something wrong and we need to address it. And it really makes them aware of what packages are coming. And that skill, getting them familiar with it while they're training, teaches them how to use it when they're out on their own. You know, when you're just getting auxiliary assistance and taking an hour here, an hour there, you're going to get some chunk in the middle of the route and getting the parcels in order can be difficult. I know when I came up, it was all just organize the streets in piles according to street name. And if you get to Appleton Street first, pull the pile that says Appleton. But with Package Look Ahead, it makes that whole process way simpler. And yes, I know Package Look Ahead is not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than guessing. And even as a regular carrier, I use Package Look Ahead probably 10 times a day. Yes, I know my route. I know where my deliveries are. But it's a nice tool to be able to check yourself and to verify and to know what to anticipate. I'll tell you a brief story on that. I have, um, early in my route, there's an address, 4336 Rimcrest. And I had a parcel for that address, and I deliver it, I scan it, I put it in the box. When I get back to my truck, I look at my package look ahead, and it shows that I should have had two packages for 4336 Rimcrest, and I only scanned and delivered one. And I remembered it very distinctly, and I know for sure I only put one package in that box, and I didn't have any more packages. And so I go on with my day, and every time I check my package look ahead, it's still sitting there mocking me, 4336 Ridgecrest. I don't have this package. And so that's going to be my planned response when I get back to the station. By the way, at my station, maybe yours too, the closing supervisor will check our package look ahead to make sure it's clear. And I know that's going to be on there at the end of the day. So the day goes on and it's still there and it's still there and I've looked through my packages numerous times and I can't find it and so yeah, clearly I don't have it. So I get to my very last parking loop and the first house on the parking loop is 4336 Ridgecrest and I go up to the door and in my residual there's a flat that has a delivery confirmation on it and so I scan it, I go to put it in the mailbox and it says you are 2,829 feet away from your proper place and I'm like oh you stupid scanner I'm at the right house this says 40 oh my god I'm at 4336 Ridgecrest and this is the package that I was missing from 4336 Rimcrest I had miscased it and if it weren't for the scanner it would have just been delivered to the wrong house so yes package and then that also gave me closure on uh that missing package from package look ahead it turns out it was me I was a big dummy so thank goodness for that tool. You know, the scanner can be useful for that. Um, and, and again, I really like package look ahead. All right. Another thing that regular carriers take for granted is the different types of mailboxes. And a big one that I see that CCAs don't realize is mailbox that have an inner flap. Like there's the kind that are like a big vertical rectangle and there's a horizontal flap near the top and you push in the flap and then there's like a second flap inside where they would have their outgoing mail and you got to put the mail under that flap so it drops down into the mailbox, into the locking part. If you've seen them, hopefully you understand what I'm describing. 
And so new carriers, they've never seen a box like that before. So they don't realize like where the outgoing mail would go is like inside that inner flap and you got to tilt it down and, and, you know, open the outer flap, tilt down that inner lever or whatever, and take the mail out of there. So I always make sure I show that to them the first time we encounter a box like that. The other thing that they don't realize is that a lot of boxes have an outer lid or an outer flap and an inner flap where the inner flap locks. And if the inner flap is locked, it leaves just a space big enough to put in a letter. But in many cases, that inner flap is unlocked. In fact, on my route, most of the time, that inner flap is unlocked. And so I have to show them, hey, you don't always have to try to force all your mail through this little slot. Try the inner slot and see if it opens or the inner door. And, you know, that can make things a lot easier for you. What I really want to do is teach it that it's the outer or the labia majora and the labia minora. But I try to keep at least the illusion of professionalism while I'm out there delivering the mail. So that's the way I think of it myself, but I'm not going to train it that way. All right. Um, There is a procedure, a method for finding addresses that, again, regular carriers totally take for granted. But when you're casing the method to find an address on the case, first you look for the street, then you determine whether you're on the odd side or the even side, and then you finally zero in on the exact number. And it's the same when you're out delivering like a parcel. You've got to go run to a house to deliver a parcel. So you make your way to the street. Then you figure out, okay, is it going to be on the left side or the right side of the street, the odd side or the even side? And then the next step after that, which way are the numbers running? Are they going up? Are they going down? Am I getting closer to my number? Am I getting further away? Really same with casing. And then finally you narrow in on that exact number. That skill translates across all delivery. And when I, before I came to the post office, I, I was slinging pizzas for a long time and I spent years as a delivery driver and that skill translated to the post office very nicely. Sometimes at the academy, I had people come in who, like I had these two ladies come in to the academy because they'd been out for a year with COVID and the post office wanted them to get retrained before they started again. And the first time we cased in the classroom, they were already almost at 18 and 8 on casing, even though they'd never seen this case before in their lives. And as I'm watching them case, I realize it's because there's these basic skills that they've mastered. Like, number one is when you're following a street along the case, when you get to the end of the case, you automatically go up to the next shelf and continue on. Whereas with a new carrier who's brand new, when they get to the end of that shelf, they have no idea where to go next. It's not intuitive to just follow that spiral all the way up or or even less all the way down the case if the numbers are running the other direction. And then the odd and even and all of that. These are all skills that have to be developed. And when I'm teaching now, I try to get them to look at the addresses with those steps. And hey, let's find the street first. Then we're going to narrow it down odd or even. And then we're going to finally zero in on that address. All right. Another thing that I learned, I think this is going to be my last thing, is uh, the seatbelt. I cannot tell you how many new CCAs struggle with the seatbelt. Because you know from driving these LLVs, once you pull the seatbelt out and then you stop, that's it. That's as far as that seatbelt is going to come out. And heaven forbid you let that seatbelt go back in a little bit. It ain't coming back out. That's it. It locks. And so you got to pull the seatbelt like all the way out or 
some of us have to pull it out further than others and then, you know, plug it in. And so I've been doing this for a long time and I see these CCAs struggle again and again and again and again. And just this last week, I finally looked at myself and what I was doing and realized, oh, that I actually have a technique for doing this that I never even realized I was doing it. And that's what prompted me to record this episode. So I'll let you guys in on my technique. Maybe yours is a little bit different, but this is how I do it. First, I grab the seatbelt with my right hand uh, right near the um, the latch. You, I, to me, you have to grab it with your right hand because that's where it is. I pull it out. Then I switch it over to my left hand. And with my left hand, I continue pulling until I've got plenty of seatbelt to work with. And then here's the key. My right hand goes down to the base of the seatbelt, right where it comes out of that little retractor pod. So with my right hand right next to the retractor pod, now I'm holding the seatbelt so that it can't retract. So whatever amount of seatbelt I have to work with, I'm not going to lose that seatbelt. It's not going to go back in. I've got all that fabric and pat my belly here. I need plenty of fabric. So anyway, while I'm holding that, now my left hand can search for the receptacle to plug the seatbelt in. But with my right hand, I can move it up and down because it remembers right next to that retractor pod. I don't know what it's called, but whatever, where it retracts into. And there's a a rod that goes from that retractor pod over to the other side of the seat that the receptacle plugs into or attaches to. And so if I move that retractor pod like forward and backward, the receptacle also moves like up and down or backward and forward in concert with it. And so I can use both hands to kind of guide the two things together and then plug it right in. And that's how I do it. So anyway, if you're a new CCA and you've been struggling with the seatbelt, try that. Maybe that'll help you. All right, so there's more, but I, this is plenty of recording for this episode. And, um, you know, there's always going to be more teaching to be done in the future. So I hope you were able to learn from some of these tips. And if you're a longtime carrier, I hope that some of this stuff gives you a little more sympathy for the CCAs because it's easy to forget how hard the job was when you first started. I mean, again, the core of the job is really simple. You match the number, you put it in the box. And I'm sure some of you would say also you match the name, but either way, you know, that stuff's pretty straightforward. All right. So I got to figure out how to merge these two audio files together. So I'm going to do that. You guys uh, take care of yourselves out there, and I will keep on working on ways to make you discipline-proof. I'll catch you next time.